Bills Mafia. It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. Wednesdays on this podcast, as you should know by now, our Water Cooler Wednesday. Very excited about today's guests. I wanted to go back into the well of options from Buffalo Fanatics. I talked to my dude Rico over there, and he said, get Bobby on the show. Bobby is the uh, the Instagram operator for Buffalo Fanatics. And if you want to stay engaged, both from uh, following quality content on Instagram, but really enjoying good discussion about the Buffalo Bills on Instagram as well as Twitter, you've got to be keeping track of Bobby. His Twitter handle is at, is at It's Bobby Banks. The Buffalo Fanatics Instagram handle is at The Buffalo Fanatics. Without further ado, Bobby, welcome to the show. Hello, Joe. How you doing, man? I am great. Really excited to have you on. Uh, love, love Buffalo Fanatics for what it does, advancing the discussion around the Buffalo Bills with fans. And I know that you play a big part on that, handling and controlling and running that Instagram page. Talk to me about your passion for doing that and uh, how you always find those good nuggets and talking points to get into. Right. Well, um. First off, I appreciate you having me on. And let me just let you know that I love your work on the Draft Network. It's top-notch. And, of course, Lockdown Bills podcast. Um, Thank you. So, <laughs> so basically, <laughs> Buffalo Fanatics, um, I joined the team probably around 2015. So I've been with them for a while. And social media is kind of – Kind of what I do. They actually recruited me because I used to run uh, a Bills fan page of my own. So they recruited me. And I just, I, I don't know how to describe it. I just, um, content is kind of what I do. And it's, it pretty much feels like a full-time job at this point. Listen, uh, social media, as somebody who works in sports media full-time, I can tell you that the social media part of it is huge. It takes so much time. It's all about building the brand and, and staying engaged with your audience. And so I, I, I always know I can go over that Instagram page, shift, sift through that story and find really interesting polls, different takes that you've pulled from around the internet, unique yeah. uh, Q and A's and stuff like that. So I respect what you do. And I certainly understand the amount of work that goes into running a social media account. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, another big thing that we focus on is, fan engagement so i try to talk with everybody everybody with that comments i try to interact with them and um it's really just grown over the past few years yeah it it certainly has well bobby the only person you have to interact with today is me on this podcast and so (laughs) i've got the questions coming for you and i want to start with our kind of rapid fire round and i sent you a show outline to get you prepared but the one thing i left open was the first thing I was going to ask you on this rapid fire section. And here it comes. Here's your surprise. I had your boy Rico. I had your boy Rico on this podcast (laughs) several months ago. And the man came on and said that he likes to dip his chicken wings in sour cream. I gave him the normal options, ranch (laughs) and blue cheese. But Rico went with sour cream. Bobby, the floor is yours to talk about that take. I mean, what can you say? That's that's crazy. I've never heard of that in my life. I don't know anybody 
that would dip chicken wings in sour cream. Would you try it? I would try it. I don't think I'd try it. I don't think I would. No, I would try it just to to say that I did it. (laughs) Are you a ranch or a blue cheese guy? I'm a blue cheese guy. Of course. Good. Good. I I realize it's not popular to mention if you're not. So I I won't come any further on that. Bobby, (laughs) tell me about your first Buffalo Bills memory. Uh, My first memory, probably going back as a kid, um, maybe mid-90s, Buffalo Bills versus the 49ers. When I was a kid, I was probably maybe seven, eight. When I was a kid, I was actually a huge Jerry Rice fan. I went to the game in a Jerry Rice jersey. And, I mean, I just – I loved Jerry Rice so much that I even – as a kid followed like his training regimen. I'd, I'd be in the backyard catching bricks, just throwing it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. And so getting the chance to see Jerry Rice in person was your, your earliest memory of the bills, but you're a bill, you're a bills guy, right? What, what, uh, right. What, what kind of kept you in that corner? Um, man, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Like, um, ah, I was a big Jerry Rice fan, but I still liked the Bills. And obviously the game was at the Ralph. And, you know, you go to the game, even as a kid, you go to tailgate. And you still fall in love with that aspect. As time goes on, you become, you know, a bigger Bills fan. And, yeah, that's, that's really my first memory. So I've got I've got Rico coming on this podcast talking about <laughs> dipping wings and sour cream, and I've got Bobby <laughs> on this podcast showing up at Ralph Wilson Stadium with an opposing team's jersey on. I'll tell hey, you, <laughs> never know what to get from the Buffalo Fanatics crew. Let's talk about the 2019 schedule for the Buffalo Bills. Give yeah. me the three games on this schedule that you are most looking forward to in 2019. Okay, week one. Versus the Jets. First of all, I grew up in Buffalo. I moved to New York City. I've been in New York City for about 10 years. So I hate Jets fans with a passion. And then week one, I mean, you know, it's opening week. How could that not be one of those games? So moving on, week three, home opener. Home opener atmosphere is electric. How could that not be on the list? Now, my next one, I'll give you week 10 versus the Browns. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Um, we all know, I mean, Baker Mayfield considered probably the best quarterback of the 18, you know, 2018 draft. Um, this is just a matchup that, that we want to see. Yeah, I was I was thinking that was potentially going to be one of the uh, primetime games, but the only yeah, I guess the only sort of primetime game is the one on Thanksgiving uh, in Dallas against the Cowboys for 4:30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm surprised that wasn't on your list, but I'll tell you, if you gave me this question and I had to rank the games one through seven, sixteen that I'm I'm most looking forward to, number sixteen would be at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought about that, and I'm definitely that, – that would probably be number four for me. But. So let me give you my reason, though. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there's something about Thanksgiving where I don't want to deal with the Bills. I, I <laughs> really, I want to watch other football. I want to watch other football. I don't want the Bills to be part of my Thanksgiving, uh, especially on the road on a Thursday. It's just not. It just doesn't. It doesn't line up well for for. You know, I don't want to deal with the Bills' loss on Thanksgiving, personally. Personally speaking, and you're on the road on a Thursday against a good Dallas team. I don't, I don't like that. So, uh, let me ask you this: Yeah, yeah, nine ninety guys on this roster, Bobby. It's going to be down to fifty three here in, in a few months. Give me a surprise cut before Week One that you anticipate happening. Okay, Week One surprise cut. I don't know if it's a surprise to many, but my Pick would be Adrian Waddle. He's on a one-year cheap contract, two million dollars. Um, you know, will somebody else man the swing tackle spot? And we're gonna get into that. I know we will a bit later in the show. But four hundred thousand dead cap if cut. And one of the things I said a couple months ago was that Brandon Bean is gonna spend a little bit of money to get this roster right. Because there's a lot of guys that we signed that might get cut, and there's going to be a little bit of dead cap. So I'd I'd say my surprise cut is Adrian Waddle. Interesting, yeah, definitely. We're going to get into tackles like you talked about in a minute here, but yeah, the interesting thing about Adrian Waddle is he's probably one of the guys you feel like can truly play both sides of the line of scrimmage. We'll save the takes here for just a couple more minutes on that. The <laughs> yeah, last, uh, the last, uh, last, uh, rapid fire. one I have for you is who's leading the bills in receiving in 2019 and how many yards do they have? This is another tough question. It's basically a prediction, you know, injuries can change everything, but I'm just going to go ahead and say Zay Jones. I think, um, he's going to, make a little a little bit more progress and i think maybe he'll be involved a bit more than other receivers maybe a bit more in rpo packages cuz he might be slightly better blocker so i think he's going to get at least top 2 wide receiver snaps that's just my prediction but and i would say i would say over 1000 wow that's 25 that's a big prediction over a thousand yards for Jay, for Zay Jones in year three. Here's <laughs> yeah. the thing about that question. I can make a reasonable case for four players. You can yeah. make a reasonable case for Robert Foster, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley, and John Brown. Now this yeah. is year two in the system for Zay Jones. It's year two with, uh, with Josh Allen. There's a lot of things that do play into his favor and that Zay Jones had the most receiving yards on the team last season. And so I, I, it's, it, it feels like a hot take Bobby, but it's, it's kind of really not when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. I, I really feel like he came on at the end of the season. So. All right. Meat me and potatoes time here, Bobby. First yeah. one here. Let's, let's get into Tyree Jackson. The, <laughs> the bills only have three quarterbacks on the roster, Josh Allen, Matt Barkley and Tyree Jackson. And considering Tyree Jackson's likelihood of making the roster is very interesting. It's something that I'm asked about quite a bit. Do you expect Tyree Jackson to make this roster? You know, the fact that he went undrafted despite being really gifted physically might say something about the unlikelihood of that. What what do you think about Tyree and his chances of making this team? Right. Well, your point that he went undrafted, um, this is really 
like you said, meat and potatoes. It's kind of a loaded question and it takes a bit of time to get into. But I do not believe he will make the roster. And in my opinion, they're only going to keep two quarterbacks, and that's because they're going to have to cut in to that section of the roster to add in other areas of the roster. So we look at the Bills roster, and they're going to need core special teamers. And then we're going to get into the running back position. And there's a lot of running backs. And they have to cut in somewhere to add those players. And Tyree Jackson, in all honesty, in, in all honesty, I don't believe he'll even be that good. I personally wasn't a big fan of him at UB. And it's funny because I wasn't a big fan of Josh Allen either. And they're similar type of quarterbacks. But um, Tyree Jackson, he's slightly less accurate. Also, in college, his... His completion percentage was 55.8%. To compare that to Josh Allen, his completion percentage was 56.2%. So Allen's slightly better. But I don't believe Tyree will, will even make the roster. Yeah, and obviously preseason's gonna gonna dictate that a ton, but yeah, when when you see a player with his type of skill set not get drafted at all. It's pretty telling about where the league thinks he is as a player. I had my doubts from watching his tape at UB. You mentioned the accuracy issues. I mean, I think it's an entire process concern with Tyree Jackson. When you watch him play football, you get into the all 22 tape. You have a hard time really identifying what his plan, what his progressions are, what his thought process is on any given play. And so now you're talking about coming into the NFL in an Earhart Perkins system, which uh, it puts a lot on the NF, uh, on the on the quarterback to make reads and really understand coverage concepts and how those route concepts uh, al- align with what the defense is doing and making decisions based on that. And you got a lot on this guy's plate. I, I expect he'll be on the on the practice squad, but I'm not sure we ever see him throw a pass in an NFL game. You kind of right. hinted you kind of hinted at the running back situation, which is interesting because. For a lot of the reasons you mentioned with the Bills and, and being able to keep three quarterbacks is that the special teams really comes into conversation. And you can't you can only have so many players on your roster that don't help you on special teams. So when you look at this Bills roster, it's crowded. LaShawn McCoy, Frank McCoy, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, those those are gonna they feel like the locks to make the roster gonna be the focal point of the running game in 2019. You've got a third round pick in Devin Singletary. TJ Yeldon was signed to a two-year deal. Sonoris Perry was was signed with special teams in mind. And then you also have Patrick DeMarco, who's a fullback. And, you know, he's a favorite of Sean McDermott because he does play special teams. And he's is a big leadership component to what DeMarco brings. Sort out this running back situation for us. Who stays? Who goes? What roles do they fill? Right. Well, I'll start with the running backs. Um, like you said, I mean, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore. Virtual locks, they're, they're not getting cut. They're not getting traded for a lot of fans, you know, with the um, with the trade bug. And then you have Devin Singletary. I think he's he's a lock to make the roster. We just drafted him in, in what, the third round, fourth round? Third round, yep. So, like you said, we have TJ Yeldon. Now, Brandon Bean, he got a lot of these guys on team-friendly contracts. They're short deals. 
TJ Yeldon, two-year deal. Um, pre, pre-June, post-June cut. If we cut TJ Yeldon, it's going to be a $500,000 dead cap. Again, Brandon Bean is going to spend a little bit of money to get this roster right. I don't think TJ Yeldon makes the roster. Perry is that special teams guy. And again, TJ Yeldon, he played zero snaps and of special teams in 2018. I don't think he's a special teams type of guy. And my thought process is next season, LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore most likely won't be on the roster. And the team is going to have to retool the running back room anyway. And who knows? I mean, Yeldon might be back on the market next year anyway. So I would say Shady, Gore, Singletary, Sonoris, Perry. Those are my four running backs. Now, like you said, you brought up Pat DeMarco, who got his snaps cut into um, late last season. I think they're going to cut DeMarco because, again, they, they have to – they have to build their roster in, in other places. Um, he only had 168 snaps on offense last season, which isn't a lot. It's about 16% total. Now, this is the thing where McDermott, like you said, you know, Pat DeMarco, he was a captain. McDermott loves his, his veteran leadership. Uh, so it's really a toss up. Like we, it's, it's hard to even predict what McDermott will do. I think the best decision would be to cut DeMarco and save more, uh, on the tight end side. So yeah, it's, it's, it's confusing how they're going to put this roster together and they have to save, you know, save spots for special teams. It's, a, it's an interesting point that you made there. I agree with something you said, and I disagree with something else that you said. Yeah. What, what I'm on board with you, Bobby, is your takes on TJ Yeldon. And when I've done roster projection projections, I did one a couple weeks ago on this podcast. I had, I had Yeldon making the football team over Perry, but I think you make a good point And that while TJ Yeldon was signed to a two year deal, I think you could sign TJ Yeldon every single offseason. Not maybe specifically <laughs> TJ Yeldon, but a player like him. Yeah. And and, and he's it, there's you have to ask yourself, are we going to keep this fourth running back so that we can have him and Singletary as our lead backs in 2020? Or am I going to get a guy that can actually help us by running down the field and covering kicks and punts? And honestly, the value that Perry brings as a as a proven special teams player is better than what TJ Yeldon can do as a fourth running back in a crowded backfield for just really the only purpose you keep him is so that you can have him in 2020. Well, there's nothing special about TJ Yeldon. You could sign TJ Yeldon every single year. Where I'm going to disagree with you is I think Patrick DeMarco is making this football team, especially if, uh, if the Bills don't keep four running backs, they actually only keep three. Because I do think it's only a small percentage of the snaps, like you said, 16%, but they are a percentage of the snaps and you have a proven guy that can play fullback. I certainly get get the logic of kind of using a tight end in that role, but there's something to be said for a guy that's actually a fullback. And when you want that lead blocker, you've got a guy in Patrick DeMarco. But while he may have only played 16% of the snaps from scrimmage, 
His percentage of snaps across all of the special teams units is very, very high. I don't think that they're going to want to let him walk. So I, I understand your, your, your thought process. I'm going to disagree with yeah. you on the DeMarco side. Okay. I'll give you that. And then what they'll most likely have to do is possibly cut in at tight end. So we keep three tight ends. Well, and, and the reason that that potentially makes sense is because Tyler Croft is, is going to start on pup or, or on the uh, injured reserve designated for return. So in that situation, you can keep Sweeney, Kroom, Knox and Smith, and that's four tight ends. And if we're talking about only two quarterbacks, three running backs and one fullback, then I think four tight ends is certainly a possibility. Yeah, but three. Um, so are you cutting Sonoris Perry? No, I'm keeping them on. Oh, you're right. That's so four that's backs four running backs and five total. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. It's well, here's what tough. I'll say. Here's what I'll say. As I did the, 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 the roster projection a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and I had Yeldon making the, the football team and I had four tight ends. So swap out Yeldon for Perry, keep the Marco and whatever I said two weeks ago, I'm sticking with <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, and this is how the off season is going to go all the way up until week one. You know, who, and, who knows? Yes. And injuries are going to come into play, right? So there's going to exactly. be players that just aren't, they're going to be hurt and it's going to dictate roster decisions. We talked a lot about offense so far, and we'll get back to offense here, but let's talk defense for a second. The Bills had an outstanding defense last year, and when you think about the 2019 season, a lot of the same ingredients are in place with arguably better depth. Do you have any concerns about a drop-off in performance on this defense, or are you expecting it to be even better in 2019? I think the only assumption that anybody should have is that the group will be even better. I don't, I don't, there's some guys in the, in the Buffalo fanatics group chat that, that do, that do believe that the defense will drop off. And I, I can't see it. I mean, the, the continuity with the group that we have is something that defensive coordinators dream of. And I mean, it's, it's a talented group. You look at our secondary. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Levi Wallace starts, then you have Trey white, Poyer Hyde. Um, the linebacker group, Charmaine Edmonds is a year, a year wiser. You add a guy like Ed Oliver. We have options after Jerry Hughes. Now, um, is Trent Murphy going to step up on the edge? Shaq Lawson. So I, I don't, I don't see how you could think otherwise. How do you feel on that? No, you know, and that's the thing is I was, I was looking for potentially, something that would make me believe this defense won't be even better in 2019. And I can't come up with it because here's the deal, right? Like the big difference in 2019 compared to 2018 is Ed Oliver for, for Kyle Williams and everybody loves Kyle Williams, but Kyle Williams over the last couple seasons, there's been a drop off in terms of his ability to truly make plays. And Ed Oliver comes in with, I mean, an insane athletic skill set and ability to be a penetration style player at three technique, which is something that even with Kyle Williams, the bills haven't had, you've got everybody another year in the scheme. You've got Deron Johnson coming back. You've got more depth in the secondary than you've ever had. Sky's the limit, right? I mean, I hate to like get yeah. all buzzwordy and stuff like that, but <laughs> the ceiling for this defense is unbelievably exciting. And I'm looking for someone to talk me out of that. And I, and it doesn't seem like you're going to be the guy, Bobby. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, uh, I I can't see it as long as we stay, you know, pretty pretty healthy. They should be top five again. Yeah, oh, I'd be surprised otherwise. Um, yeah. Let, let's move on to, we talked, we kind of hinted that we're going to talk about the offensive tackle situation. And Chris Brown, um, who was a team employee for the Buffalo Bills, their insider for the website. And he's, look, when he says stuff, it really matters because, again, he works for the team. It's it's team-controlled media, right? And so when he says something, it really matters. And he came out last week, and he said that Deion Dawkins has a virtual lock on the starting left tackle position. Do you think that's true, and should it be? Well, I'll tell you not necessarily what I'd like to see happen, but what I think will happen. And I agree with Chris Brown that Deion Dawkins will be a lock at left tackle. And let me tell you this. I mean, it's really difficult to imagine that Deion Dawkins is better than Ty Inseki. I mean, it's really difficult to imagine that. I think Ty Inseki is probably the better left tackle. And that's not a knock on Deion. And there's no reason why Deion can't be moved to left guard. Um, I'll tell you what I think this is. And this is another classic McDermott overreach. I don't like taking shots at the coaching staff too much. But McDermott is starting to get this MO where he, he, his roster uh, personnel decisions aren't too hot. First of all, we can bring up the examples of Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. They started way too long last season. For too many weeks, we saw those two bums running up the field. Another thing and with the offensive line, you know, we have a new offensive line coach, but Vlad Dukas started for way too long. And I think McDermott has his hands on this offense more than people know. And he's, he's generally like a conservative type of coach. And that's kind of the offense that we have. We have kind of a conservative offense. A lot of people forget last season, run stuff, run stuff, third and long pass incomplete. That was last season's offense. Now, once again, personnel decision. Deion Dawkins should probably be moved to guard. He was really bad last season. I mean, unless he outright wins the job in training camp, then hey, no problem. But I agree with Chris Brown. It's ultimately going to come down to the coaching staff. And Deion Dawkins is probably a lock at left tackle. So, so that's interesting. Um, here, here's some of my thoughts on that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not comfortable. I mean, Deion Dawkins can't play right tackle. That's one thing that we know. Right. And you're pretty stacked at guard. So between Quentin Spain and uh, Wyatt Teller and Spencer Long and Jeremiah Searles and John Feliciano, two of those guys are going to be your starting guards. At right tackle, you just drafted Cody Ford. You traded up to get him in the second round. He's a pure right tackle. Ty Inseki's interesting, but is he the guy that really can play both sides of the line of scrimmage, which gives him value as a backup because neither Cody Ford's not playing left tackle and Deion Dawkins isn't playing right tackle. You know what I mean? And so maybe that's where this kind of comes up, comes from. And when you think about Deion Dawkins, 
had a really good rookie season. Obviously, the big drop off last year. I think a lot of that, you know, look, he struggled on his own. But when you go from having Eric Wood and Richie Incognito as your center and left guard to some combination of Vlad Dukas, uh, Ryan Groy, Russell Bodine and Wyatt Teller, that's a big drop off. And I think that affects his his play at left tackle. But here's the deal, like. You're paying Ty Insecki's like one of the highest paid offensive linemen on the team. Did you bring him him to be a backup? And maybe you did, but it's it's kind of hard to balance like the long term potential of Deion Dawkins versus the fact that Ty Insecki might be better right now. That's kind of where that's challenging. Um, let me yeah. let me mention this because you, you said something interesting there about you know uh, Andre Holmes, Kelvin Benjamin kind of hanging on to their roles a bit too long. And the same being said for Vlad Dukas. And and the, the challenging part, whenever I want to be critical with those types of, of statements, because I don't disagree with you, those are very unproductive football players for a, a pretty long presence on this team. Yeah. But how do you know when the right time, like you could say, oh, they could have went to Robert Foster earlier, but there's no way of really knowing that Robert Foster was going to be Robert Foster at that point. Like maybe he needed that time. The same thing with Wyatt Teller. Cause that's really, you know, who you have to think who's in, who's in the bullpen. Right. And Wyatt Teller right. was okay down the stretch, but like, how do you know if you put him in earlier that he's fully ready? And so it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a challenging criticism. If you ask me just because we don't know that answer. You're right. You're right. That's why, I mean, it's, it is kind of tough to be overly critical, but I'll tell you what, I mean, we lost a good amount of games in the first half of the season and before KB got traded, before they cut Andre Holmes, I remember, I know fans were like, anybody, (laughs) anybody is better than these guys. And when you get to that point, you got to make a move. I think he held on a little bit too long. And the crazy part that I remind a lot of people is we weren't that far off from as bad as it looked. We, we weren't that far off from a decent record. You know, we win that Miami game. We get another touchdown against the Jets where we only the, lost by like six. Yeah, the Houston game kills me. And the Houston game. We could have been nine and seven last season with how bad it looked. Yeah, no, it's, 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 that's a, that's, I mean, I feel like you could almost do that for every team every year. And, you know, if you would have could point out a few reasonable <laughs> things, you know, you, you can get there, but it's, I mean, I don't yeah. feel like we're asking much. We're asking for Josh Allen to finish the game against Houston for Charles Clay to catch a football against Miami. And what was the other game you had mentioned? Uh, the jets. We only lost by like oh, a touchdown. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a frustrating loss because it was, was like tough. the first Allen Darnold, bowl that we were going to get and it it felt like it never felt like the jets were better than buffalo that game they just didn't make the mistakes that the bills did but yeah solid l yeah it's just that's what it is man (laughs) solid (laughs) l hey before we close you have anything for me anything you want to get into um i have a quick question all right now this is off the top of the dome so it might be i don't know if it might be a little bit difficult but let's see what you got um You know, you have every season you have your out of nowhere breakout players. Do you have anybody for offense and for defense? You see any of those type of guys for defense? I do for defense is Saran Neal. Uh, okay. 
who, you know, he, he's a guy, you look back at his, his, his game tape at Jacksonville state in college, he played linebacker, he played safety, he played slot corner, he played outside corner. And I'm really encouraged by the reports out of, of, uh, you know, mini camp that the bills are using him a lot more as a slot, using him as a blitzer. He was causing a lot of problems for the offense as a blitzer in OTAs. And then you think back over his rookie season and he rushed the passer three times, including the preseason, he got two sacks and I know that he can do that. He's a very physical player. And so now that the bills actually have some depth on their team, they can start using guys more situationally. And I think Saran Neal as a big slot playing down closer to the line of scrimmage, as a sub package player. I think he's going to make plays. Now I'm not calling him the next Derwin James or anything like that, <laughs> but I think in a certain role, that I think he can fulfill this coming season that he's going to have a breakout season. Teron Johnson is absolutely the starting slot, but there's going to be times where they're going to go dime. They're going to bring in that, that third safety and it's going to be Saran Neal. And you're going to have multiple guys playing in the slot. And I think he can fill that role. You think about Raphael Bush and when Teron Johnson went down last year, Raphael Bush became the deal starting slot. And so I think that there's some scheme multiplicity that can exist with Saran Neal kind of, taking that role, very physical player. I think that, that we'll, we'll get a real, real taste for him this coming season on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not sure that I have any name that really would surprise people other than I'll give you a hot take. I think John Feliciano is going to be one of the Bills' starting guards. And I think that bills fans will be happy about it. Okay. So interesting. I mean, part of me thinks it's going to be Spencer Long and Quentin Spain. I'm worried about this thumb thing for Quentin Spain at guard. And I'm worried that Spencer Long can also play center, but so can John Feliciano. But I think that the Bills see more in Feliciano than anybody cares to admit right now. And I I think he's going to get a real chance to win one of those starting guard jobs. Maybe people will be mad about it initially, but after 16 games, I think team Bills fans will be really excited about John Feliciano. I love it. Wow. Now, real quick, if I can, if I can give you mine. Yeah, let's do it. On offense, probably not too big of a surprise. Rookie Dawson Knox, tight end. I really feel like he's going to – I mean, tight ends don't generally produce in the rookie season, but it happens. Look at uh, – what's his name from the 49ers? George Kittle. Uh, yeah, it, it happens occasionally. I think Dawson Knox could be that guy. Now, on defense, this is um, probably a major sleeper for a lot of people, but Mike Love – I think Yarborough is gone. Yarborough is getting cut. Um, so there's a, there's a spot on this roster for a DN. It's probably going to be Shaq Lawson, Trent Murphy, Jerry Hughes, one other DN, Mike Love or Eli Harold. Or no, yeah, Harold, right? Yeah, Eli yep. Harold. So yep. mine is Mike Love. Just keep that in mind. That's that there. Now that's a deep sleeper. That's a deep sleeper. Um, So I'd be anxious (laughs) to see that, to see that come out because well, you think about it last year, right? He took Eddie Yarbrough snaps and Eddie Yarbrough. He's great in the preseason. Hadn't made a play in his life in regular season. And by the (laughs) end of the year, right? Mike Love was kind of cutting, cutting into those reps. Uh, We'll see. We'll see that. There it is. There's a hot take for you to close things out. Bobby, I greatly appreciate your time here on this water cooler Wednesday edition of the lockdown bills podcast. As a reminder to the listeners, follow Bobby on Twitter. It's it. His Twitter handle is at it's Bobby Banks. Most importantly, check out that Buffalo Fanatics Instagram page at the Buffalo Fanatics. You will always have your mind spinning by what Bobby puts on that Twitter 
uh, that Twitter story in terms of the Buffalo Bills and, and some discussion points and what you could be thinking about uh, with the 2019 team. So thanks so much for coming on. I'll be back again for you guys again on Thursday. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Bills.